Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the Church RC or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thechurchrc.com. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app, available for free wherever you download your apps. Now here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Come on, we're so glad uh, that you joined us. My name is Brian Sparks. I'm lead pastor here at the Church RC, and we're honored to have each and every one of you. We pray that you would feel welcome, you feel right at home. If there's anything that we can do to make your visit or uh, hopefully your stay here more uh, comfortable, please let us know. There are people everywhere that have asked me badges, and they really mean it. You can ask them questions, really hard questions about life. I mean, just, just go up and catch them completely off guard and ask them the meaning of life and see what they come up with. But uh, no, you can ask them questions, whatever you need. We're, we hope, we, we want to make your stay here as comfortable as possible. And, uh, and we know that we're not the church for everyone, but we are the church for someone. And we hope that someone is you. And uh, we we'd, uh, hope that this would become your church home and that you would, you would come in, you would join us, you'd feel welcome. And so we're honored to have you. If you would do me a favor and welcome every person that is joining us online. Come on right now. We have people that listen from all over. We have a couple of those people that listen from all over right here on the front row. They're, they came in from, for sisterhood. They flew in, they flew in for sisterhood. And uh, that's how awesome my wife is. And uh, I don't, I, I can't get anybody to you know, fly in for me, but, um, she, she gets that. And, uh, she, uh, sisterhood was awesome. It was amazing. And, uh, we're celebrating that, um, over 700 women. There was a lot of estrogen in that room. And, uh, uh, it was, but it was awesome. It was amazing. And, uh, there was a lot of guys that showed up and helped out, got everything set up. Worship team did an amazing job. And uh, it was just incredible. And every week, you know, our, our dream team, they set all of this up every week. And so, and they've worked just overtime this week. So do me a favor and just give my dream team a hand. Your dream team. They are incredible. Set up Friday, tore it all down. Set up something for Saturday, tore it all down. Set up today, tearing it all down. And now they're going to go into a coma sleep for a couple of days, but, uh, but w- there was 33 salvations, 33 salvations at sisterhood. And 33 people said yes to Jesus. And so we're celebrating that. Uh, we have, uh, uh, we're finishing up today. We're finishing up a, you asked for it series and we're getting ready to go into your favorite series that we do ever. And that's at the movies and just take a look at the trailer.
If you've never been to a At The Movies series, then what we do is we actually take movies that have a redemptive message in them. We take redemptive messages out of them, and then we just kind of preach on them. We get to watch movies together, and we get to, uh, we get to just talk about what we can learn from each and every one of these movies. And it's a lot of fun, and it is a great time to invite people to come with you. The people that say, I don't like church, this is an awesome time to invite those people to church because this is not like a normal church service. We do worship, but then when we go into uh, the actual uh, message part of it, it is completely different than anything that they've probably ever been a part of. And here we, here we always, like always, we always have donuts and coffee, but we also have popcorn and Pepsi here for you because Pepsi sponsored our event and they're awesome. And... Uh, and so we get, you get soft drinks and because what, what's a movie without popcorn? Come on, you got to have some popcorn. And so we have that and it's a lot of fun. We have invite cards that you can grab on your way out. Invite everybody to come and be a part of it. Now, now here's the thing is this is what I'm asking you. If you can, and if you call this your church home and this is where you, this is my church, this is our home. If you can, please come to first service. If you can, because we want to make room for every person that might come. Uh, because, and here's the deal, is that if you're bringing somebody, I understand second service is the time to bring them. You're bringing somebody, absolutely, I understand it. But if you're not bringing anybody, your punishment is coming to first service. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if you're not bringing anybody, what we want to do, here's the thing, is that we are, as a church, we partner together. And every one of us, are creating an atmosphere for people to encounter Jesus. And what happens is a lot of times they come to that 1030 service and we want to make as much room as we can for them. So and if, if you can't do it, it's fine. Don't, don't feel any pressure. Don't feel bad about it. If you can't do it, it's totally fine. But if you can make it to that first service, if you're not bringing anybody, then just come to the first service. That way we can have plenty of room for everybody that comes second service. Okay. All right. Y'all ready? Uh, let's jump into today's message. And you asked for it. Uh, if you don't know what that is, what we do is we send out a big poll and we get hundreds of responses every year and we ask you what you want us to preach on. I don't want to just preach on what I want to preach on, but I want to preach on what you want to hear about. And so that's what we do. We take the top, uh, top things that you said that you wanted to hear about, and we preach on those. We don't just handpick them. We actually go from one down until we're done. And so we don't get to do all of them, obviously, but uh, we pick the top three or four, and that's what we preach on. So uh, we are wrapping up this series to go into At The Movies next. But the first time, the first message that we preached on, we preached on how to have faith in difficult times. It's easy to have faith when everything's good. When everything's going smoothly, it's easy, right? But it's hard to have faith in difficult times. And the second thing that we preached on is we preached on what do you do when you don't know what to do? And today we're preaching on the third thing that you asked for, how to overcome anxiety. I was joking with my staff. I said, I'm a little bit worried about my people. And they said, why? I said, well, they don't have faith. They don't know what to do and they're anxious about it. So hopefully we're, get, we're getting this fixed. And, uh, and I never had anxiety until I had to come up with a whole message on anxiety. And now thank you all for that. So, but uh, it's, been, it's been a great series. And I, I've had a lot of people say that it's helped them. And that's what we pray that this does is help you. So how to overcome anxiety, Philippians 4, 
We're going to read verse 4 through 9. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Come on, somebody. Say anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open, receptive to hear your word. They didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. How do you overcome anxiety? You know, uh, for those of you that don't know, I was a paramedic. And in order to become a paramedic, they don't just hand out free paramedic license. You actually have to go through school. And then once you go through school, you have to take a test. And uh, this test is not like any other test. My friend Randy Kilgore here could testify to this. It is a national registry test. And, and what they do is, is they want to see how stressed they can make you, I think. And it's probably a good thing because you're going to be responding to a lot of stressful situations. That's what you do. And, and, uh, and so I was anxious. I was worried about this test. And for good reason, because the, the National Registry has an 80% fail rate. It's not a good, it's not good numbers, right? It's not, it's not really uplifting when you're going in to take this test. 80% fail. And, uh, and so I was nervous and, and what they do, you go in and you have to do uh, all these different skills that they randomly just throw on you. And they say, Hey, you're going to, you, they give you a scenario and you have to tell them what you would do in that scenario. And so you're being graded by people. They're looking at everything, scrutinizing every detail. This is something to be anxious about. And then if that's not bad enough, you have to take a written exam. Now, because I'm old as dirt, we actually had to do it on paper, right? Now you take it on a computer and you know immediately if you passed or fell. It's awesome. It's amazing. But when I took it, you had to send it to the state and it took six weeks for them to post the results because the state doesn't get in a hurry about anything. And so I was worried. I was anxious. I was nervous about this. And every day I would get up and I would check the website. And I would go, okay, did I pass or did I? I mean, and I, it, here's the thing is I was so anxious and so nervous. I woke up thinking about it. The first thing that came to my mind was the test. All throughout the day, I would worry and be anxious about the test. When I would go to sleep, all I could think about was the test. I had worried so much and been anxious for so long that my stomach was in knots. I, I was so nervous, I couldn't hardly eat anything. So anxious, so worried that I couldn't hardly eat anything. And 
which wasn't a bad thing because I'd slimmed down a little bit. But I was anxious. And here's the thing is, is that I didn't think in all of that time, I didn't think, man, I wonder how awesome it's going to be when I pass. No, all I could think about was what am I going to do when I fail? What am I going to do? I mean, I, I, I got to figure out, am I going to, I got to send in an application. I got to retake it. I, I got to do this. And here's what's crazy about it is you, you get a certain amount of times. And then if you don't pass it in that certain amount of times, you have to go through paramedic school again. Lord Jesus, this is not easy, right? So I was nervous. I was anxious. I didn't know, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do. And then one day I checked the website and found out I had passed. Just so you know, your pastor's in the top 20%. If you weren't proud of me, you can be proud of me now. So I passed. And I, and I remember in that moment, there was a huge relief. All of a sudden, I wasn't worried. I wasn't anxious. And what was amazing is, is that I had worried for six weeks about something that never happened. And isn't that the way it usually goes? We're usually anxious. We're usually worried. We usually play out in our minds the worst case scenario. We never think of best case. We think of the worst case scenario. What's going to happen if this happens? What's going to, and it's the worst case scenario. And then usually the way it plays out is turns out okay. It's really not even close to as bad as we thought. Even if it didn't go the way that we wanted, it's usually nowhere near how bad we thought it was going to go, how bad it was going to play out. But still, we worry. We're anxious. We're always thinking about things and worried about things. We worry about all kinds of things. Right? We worry about our jobs. Worry about our health. Worry about our cars. Worry about our homes. We worry about our kids. We worry about our marriages. We worry about everything. We, it, we worry when there's nothing to worry about. Because we're worried that something bad is about to happen. We, we're anxious. We're worried. The truth is, is that as Americans, we are the most anxious country in the world. We're the most anxious country in the world. The least anxious is Mexico. Let's go to Cancun. That's the least anxious. And what's, what's crazy is, is that there are countries that have a lot more to worry about. Like they really don't know if they're going to eat today. And they're not anxious. They're not worried. They're not stressing out. Here's the thing is that when people move from third world countries, statistics say this, that immediately their anxiety, stress, and worry level goes through the roof. They begin to be anxious and nervous and worry about things just by moving to America. Come on. It's the American dream. Be worried and anxious about everything. The land of the stars and stripes has been, become the land of stress and strife. In fact, we are so worried that we're passing it down to our children. Psychologists say 
that the average child today shows the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient did in the 1950s. It's not bad enough that we're worried, that we're anxious. We're actually saying, you know what? I'm worried and I'm anxious and our kids see us being worried and anxious so they become worried. They become anxious. They become, you know, if we're talking about how are we going to pay our bills, your kids overhear you saying that, they're worried. Why are they anxious? They got more toys than I ever dreamed of. It's because we're passing it down to our children. Now, here's the thing is that if we're more anxious than our parents were, how much more anxious will our kids be than us if we don't stop it if we don't do something about it if we don't say enough is enough now I'm not telling you I I, I know there's people out there that you're taking medication for anxiety I understand that there are real disorders and I understand that a message is not a magic bullet I pray that you would hear me and I'm not talking about people who have like a momentary worry Like, oh, I'm a little stressed about that. And then you go about your day. I'm talking about people who have been really anxious. Like you've been, when you go to bed, you think about it. You worry about it. You can't sleep at night. You worry about it. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. You you get up in the morning. You're thinking about it. You're talking about it. You're stressed about it. You're anxious about it. Here's the deal. Is that life has a way of producing anxiety. It has a way of producing worry, right? That's just kind of part of life, but just because anxiety comes with life does not mean that it should dictate our life. It shouldn't control our lives. It shouldn't rule over us. It shouldn't be one of those things that we allow to control us in everything that we do. Because anxiety wreaks havoc, havoc on our bodies. If you want to see how bad anxiety and worry is for your body, just read a medical textbook. In fact, it is the number one cause of sickness and disease. Stress, worry, and anxiety are the number one cause of disease. It causes all kind, it causes neck pain, back pain, jaw pain, because we clench our teeth, ruins our teeth, causes our blood pressure to go up, our hearts to palpitate, our eyes to twitch. It causes all kinds of things. It heart attack. My dad was so anxious and so stressed. He was in the best shape of his life. Rode 100 miles on a bike on a regular basis. And here's the thing is that he still had a heart attack. Why? The doctor said because you're anxious. You're stressed. It can do horrible things to our body. Anxiety is, is actually killing us. But still we worry. Matthew 6, 27, Jesus asked a question. He says, how many of you can add one cubit to your stature by worrying? It's a good question, right? In other words, Jesus is asking this question. What has worry ever done for you? If I got up here today and I said this. Guys, I got the answer to all your problems. You're having trouble with your bills? All you have to do is go home and worry more. 
bills will be paid. Kids are acting crazy. Guess what? Stay up all night worrying. Tomorrow, there'll be angels. You're worried about the economy. Guess what? Answer to the economy is not in government. It's just in worry. All of us need to go home and worry some more. And if we worry enough, long enough, it'll fix all the world's problems. Every hungry mouth will be fed if all of us could just find some more time to worry. Every one of you would call me crazy and you would walk out and say, I'm never going back to that church again. Why? Because life has told you and life experience has showed you that worry does nothing for you. Worry fixes nothing. Anxiety fixes absolutely absolutely nothing. But here's the thing is that what we're anxious about, what we worry about the most is what we value the most. But what's sad is, is that what we worry about the most shows where we trust God the least. What if we just sat back and said, you know what, God, I really am going to believe that you're going to take care of it. God, I really am going to, I believe I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be anxious about it anymore. I'm just going to believe that you got this. You, you, you got this under control. Some of you go, that's absurd. That is absolutely, I can't do that. I can't just dust my hands off and say, God's got it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be anxious. I, I can't do that. And what you're saying is, is that you have more faith and worry than you do in God. But the last time I checked, worry always lets you down, and God has never let you down. You've been through hard times. You've been through difficult seasons. I get that. But you're still here. You're still breathing. Come on. Life is still going on because God has not let you down. There's no song out there that I ever sang in Sunday school that said anxiety's got the whole world in its hands. If you grew up singing that song, I'm sorry. It's what? He's got the whole world. God's got the whole world in his hands. God's got this. Why are you worried? Why are you sweating it? Huh? Why are you so anxious? How many of you can add one cubit to your stature by worrying? Go ahead, just raise your right hand. Just raise your right hand. Come on, raise your right hand, everybody. There you go. Say, I hereby resign as the ruler of the universe. Doesn't that feel good? You're free. It, was, it wasn't your job in the first place. It's not your job. So what are you worried about? What are you anxious about? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's taking care of it. So how do we stop? How do we stop being anxious? How do we stop being nervous? How do we stop worrying about things? Number one, you're taking notes. We celebrate God's goodness. Celebrate God's goodness. Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And if, just in case you didn't hear me, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it 
because he's a good preacher, rejoice. Now, I want you to understand that Paul is not writing this from a beach in the Bahamas. He's not sipping virgin Mai Tais. He's writing this in chains, in prison, where he's been sentenced to die. If anybody has a reason to worry, pretty sure it's this guy. And Paul says, you know, I've got some things going on, but rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it. Rejoice. There's something amazing that happens when we begin to celebrate God's goodness. There's something amazing when we come in. Why do we do this thing? Why do you do that singing, brother? I mean, why don't we just get straight to the preaching? Because here's the thing is that worship isn't about you, but it is about you. And the reason why I say it's not about you, but it is about you, because it's all about God and giving God what he wants. But there's something amazing that happens as we begin to lift our voice and sing and celebrate the goodness of God. All of a sudden, we begin to see how big God is and how small our problems really are. We celebrate God's goodness. We celebrate what he's done in our lives. We get so focused sometimes on the one thing that's wrong in our life that we forget all that's right. We're meditating on the mess. And we should be celebrating God's success. I heard about a pastor. He had went out with one of his members in his congregation. And... Uh, He's, he, they were playing golf, and he loved to play golf with this member because he was just always, man, he was, he, you ever just get around people that are happy all the time? Just smiling, laughing. That's the way this guy was. He was in his late 70s, and he, but he was just always having a good time. He was laughing. He was, and he asked him a question out on a golf course one day. He said, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. He said, how are you happy all the time? Why are, why are you happy all the time? The reason why he asked him this question is because he knew the man's circumstances in life weren't good. In fact, him and his wife had just retired a few years earlier. And a couple of years into retirement, while they're enjoying retirement, she gets diagnosed with Alzheimer's. It's not a good diagnosis. What they had planned to do is travel the world. Now then... It's such, a, it's such a strict medication regimen that they couldn't go anywhere. She was always having to go to the doctors. And so he asked the question, how? How are you happy? How are you rejoicing? How are you always smiling? And he said this, it's simple, Pastor. Every morning I wake up, my wife says, honey, let's sing a song. And Every time, every morning, she always says, let's sing the same song. And it's count your blessings one by one. And he said, we sing that song. And as soon as we're done singing that song, that's exactly what we do. We begin to list off all the things that we're thankful for. All the things that God has been good to us in. All the things. We begin to celebrate God's goodness. Are things bad? Yeah. Are things, could things go differently? Absolutely. But here's the deal. is when you begin to celebrate God's goodness. Begin to see how big he is. 
See, that lady didn't celebrate the one area in her life. She wasn't consumed with the one area in her life that was bad. She thought about the 70 before that were so good. Isn't your life a lot bigger than that one thing that you're worried about? Isn't your life a lot bigger? Isn't there a lot more going on in your life than that one thing? Start celebrating the goodness of God in those areas. The second thing I tell you is ask God for help. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Does everything include everything? Thank you. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Here's the deal is anxiety can drive you to despair or to prayer. It's always your choice. You make a decision or am I going to stay up worrying about this thing or am I going to pray about it? Am I going to ask God for help? Am I going to actually take it to him and say, God, I need your help in this. Psalm 121 verse 1 and 2 says, I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. He will not slumber. God is bigger than your trouble. God is bigger than your issue. God is bigger than whatever problem you're facing. The other day, my son, we have a a fort in our backyard because every boy needs a fort. And there's a tree not far away, and he had a friend over, and they had decided that they were going to make a zip line. It's kind of a proud dad moment, honestly, because it's something I would have done. But they decided, I'm going to make a zip line from the fort to the tree. I see them out there working on it. I know what they're doing because I think just like him. And I said, here's the deal, son. Make the zip line. That's cool. Just don't travel on it. You can send a bucket down it, whatever you want. Just don't, you don't, you don't try to zip down it, okay? Just don't do that. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And I watched them. I was sitting out on the back porch, and I'm hanging out, and I'm watching them, and they're working, and they're working, and they're working at this thing, and they cannot get this zip line up. They can't figure it out. They've wrapped rope around the tree eight million times, and it still falls. I watched them. Finally, my son comes to me, and he says, Dad, Yeah, he goes, can you fix that? Yeah. I walk over, and in moments, I had fixed what they'd been struggling with for hours. Why? Because I knew exactly what needed to be done. How many of you are struggling with something? You're toiling over something that God could fix in a moment. You're worried about something, you're anxious about something, and you haven't even thought about taking it to God. See, here's the thing, is that God won't fix what you don't give him. You want to work on that? I let my son work on that for hours. Keeps him busy, out of my hair. But the moment he came to me and said, 
Dad, I need your help. Guess what? In a moment, I was able to fix it. How many of you think that God is sitting there going, I'm just waiting on you to ask? Because what you're struggling with, I can fix it in a moment. That doesn't mean that you just get to sit back and say, well, God's going to take care of everything. I don't have to do anything. No, you're an idiot. I've had people say that. Oh, God's got this, so I'm not going to work. Bible also says you don't work, you don't eat. Last time I checked, he says he takes care of the birds of the air, but the birds don't just sit around on a tree with their mouth open. They get down and get busy, right? Here's the deal. Is I understand that I have to do whatever I can do, but I give God what I can't do. I do what I can do, but there are times that I can't do anything, so I give to God what I can't do. Let me ask you, can any of you here heal the sick? God can. Can any of you here protect your kids 24-7? No, but God can. Can any of you here restore your marriage? Or fix the economy? No, but God can. Why are you worried about something you can't fix? Why are you anxious about something that you have no control over? God's got this. Number three, and I'm done. Once you ask God for help, leave it with him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. See, most of us are really good about taking things to God. So we start having some difficulty in our marriage because you're married to a crazy person. You start having some issues and things go wrong and you go, God, I take this to you. I need help in my marriage. And then about an hour later, because God isn't working fast enough, you take it back. God, I'm just going to worry about this and be anxious about it a little bit more because you're not working fast enough. Apparently you're busy. I'll bring it back to you tomorrow. And if you, if you can, I'd appreciate you getting it. So we take it back to him the next day and we got to give this to you. And But then an hour later, we pick it back up and that's what we continue to do and God's saying I, you give it to me and I'll, I, can, I can work on it I can fix it if you'll give it to me but here's the thing is that God is wanting you just to say God you know I've given you everything that I am I put my life in you and I put my money in you And I put my job in your hands and I put my kids in your hands. My life is in you. My marriage is in you. Everything that I am is in you. I can't fix it. I can't work on it. I can't do anything about it. I can do what I can do, but I can't do the rest. And what's amazing is, is that whenever you do this, all you see is God. 
Whenever you put your money in God, guess what? God's got your money. Whenever you put your job in God, God's got your job. Whenever you put your marriage is found in God, guess what? God's got your marriage. Why are you taking something back from God that he can fix? If you'll just let him. Why are you anxious? Why are you worried about something you have no power over? You have no control over. Some of you need to go home and you need to make a box. Whatever it is that you're worried about, you need to say, God, I give this to you. And you need to walk away and daily you need to say, God, I'll leave it with you. I'm not taking it back. God, I've given it to you and I'm leaving it with you. You know, every time I start to worry, because as a pastor, I sometimes get worried about things. Every time I start to get a little bit anxious about something, I'm anxious about the church. I'm anxious about a building. I'm anxious about my kids. Worried about my kids. Worry about my wife. Whatever it is, I always get a check in my spirit. And that check is this. God will say, do I love it more than you? Do I love the church more than you? Do I love your wife more than you? Do I love your kids more than you? And the answer is always yes. Absolutely. You absolutely love. Cast your cares because he cares for you. What's worrying you? What are you anxious about? What's keeping you up at night? What are you stressed about? What are you so worried about that God can't handle? With every head bowed, every eye closed. God, there's people in this place that are so anxious, so worried. Lord, there's something that's keeping them up at night. They go to bed thinking about it. They wake up thinking about it. They keep replaying the worst case scenario in their mind. And Lord, right now, in this moment, we cast our cares on you. That thing that we worried about that we have no control over, God, we give it to you. We release it to you. Lord, we surrender it to you. God, we leave it with you. Lord, we'll do what we can do, but God, we're going to trust you to do what we can't do. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.